Hello, I'm Lisa Bien. When I was a student here at Temple University, I struggled with deep-seated and troubling questions about my self-worth and abilities. I felt as if I wasn't enough, and I lived by this notion for years until one day a professor came into my life. She believed in me and helped me see the good inside. She encouraged me to realize my talents, chase my dreams, and live in the surety that I was and am more than enough but beautiful and unique all on my own. Now, after years of struggle, therapy, and personal discovery and growth, I have bounced back into a person I am proud of. It's my passion and my goal to inspire young women and men to do the same, to teach young adults to stop listening to the negative messages that they create for themselves. I want all of you who are struggling through the same insecurities and streams of hopeless questioning as I did to realize who you truly are, and believe that you are strong enough, smart enough, and good enough to bounce back from anything life throws at you. Let's get started. Today we will hear a story about bouncing back out of grief, trauma, and loss which all of us have or will encounter at some point in our lives. Garden Wellington Logan never foresaw her life's unexpected twists and turns when she graduated from Temple University in 1994 with a degree in journalism. She recalls those early days of her young adulthood being full of promise and opportunity, and she was not prepared for the trauma that would befall her and her family 12 years down the road. Garden has learned to cope, live, and strengthen herself through tragedy that many experience but few ever speak of because of shame, confusion, and a sense of blame that persists without direction or resolve. Today, Garden joins us to share her story of bouncing back out of the deepest grief and to remind others out there who may be struggling that they are not alone and the help they so desperately seek is available. Let's hear from Garden. Growing up, my brother William was my best friend, my confidant, and my connection to the rest of the universe. He was handsome, smart, funny, and successful. Everyone wanted to be around him. I have very few memories that don't include William, and I looked up to him with pride and adoration. On November 4, 2006, my brother William Liberty Wellington died by suicide. He was 31 years old. While the loss of my brother is by far the most paralyzing trauma and shock I have ever experienced, I can sadly affirm that the saying is true, hindsight is 2020. The year leading up to William's death, there were plenty of warning signs, changes, changes in his behavior and lifestyle. The healthy relationship with the love of his life deteriorated. He made some poor business decisions, and he shared with me that he was in pain, a deep and troubling pain that he could not explain. The day before he died, I told William I was making an appointment with him with a psychiatrist, and he willingly agreed. He told me everything would be get better and that he loved me. In my ignorance, I believed him and thought, that after I brought him a hot meal, cheered him up a day or two later, and got him talking to someone, we would really start to see some improvement. I did make that appointment. It was for the following Thursday on November 9th. Instead, that was the day that we buried my brother. The first days after losing William were the most traumatic and painful days of my life. The pain was deep, physical, and paralyzing. I was sleepless and in shock as hordes of family and friends surrounded us. Without their support, I don't know where my family and I would be today. 
As the weeks went on, however, I knew I needed a more specialized support system to cope with my grief. I needed a place to direct my many questions and fears. I started by attending a Survivors of Suicide meeting in Center City, hosted by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Philadelphia chapter. The truth was that I was searching for stories like my own to provide answers so I could understand what happened to William and to my family and to me. It was there with the AFSP that I began to see and learn that I was not alone in my crisis and that suicide was not an isolated issue. I truly believe that as a larger society, we shun the very thought of suicide as an appropriate topic of conversation. Instead, it remains unexplained, unexplored, and taboo. And in the cycle of shame and confusion, people are dying. My brother William and so many others did not have to die because, of su because suicide is preventable. If we can open our minds and our hearts to the conversation and the reality. Instead of turning to anger, I've decided to use these newfound lessons and experiences for the betterment of others and myself. I began seeing a grief counselor named Elaine who helped me understand grief loss and death on both a personal and conceptual level. Through counseling and volunteering with the AFSP, I have been able to find a sort of fragile peace in the loss of my brother. I advocate for education above silence and for new life over the fixation of loss. Since William's death, my career in communications has continued to thrive. I have had two more children, and I have found fulfillment in the many joyful days of watching them grow. And their youth and life to come reminds me <clears throat> of my days and the memories I still have of my brother, our good times, our childhood, our golden years. I, you know, I, I met you, what, 14 years ago? Mm -hmm. um, through our connection actually with Temple University and um, you worked with me for a while and I guess I've been your mentor and friend for you know a long time so I'm always in awe of your strength and courage it's just after hearing your story I'm still sitting here with chills and so I thank you so much I mean it was great that you know you called me and you said you know I saw your show and I'd like to be a part of it and mm -hmm. I think that this was a great message so thank you, thank you. for Thanks sharing for your story and I guess, you know, you talk about that you needed to go and get some grief. How, at what point, Garden, did you realize, you know, th that you needed that grief? Because, as I said, you know, I've known you for years. I remember at that time going to the funeral and not knowing what to do for you. So I guess the question really could be twofold of when did you know that you needed to get help? And then also, how do you help people to get, how do you help people get to help you help you? How do you get people to help you? Well, number one, um, grief counseling helped me tremendously and I knew that I needed help probably about three or four weeks after William died because that's when the friends and family starts taking a, a back seat and the grief change changes for them. But for us, it just wasn't getting any better. So I sought out a professional grief counselor and she really helped me understand death as a whole and suicide as a whole. And then after that, I connected with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which has been a lifesaver because they have more answers. They have the information that I was so desperately looking for. So you were searching, I guess, is what I'm hearing you yes. say. Like you were searching for answers. Were you feeling that you you yourself missed something? Were you feeling guilty? Did you, you know, were you saying, what could I have done differently? What could yes, I have done better? Yes, suicide is a very complicated grief. Um, there's guilt, there's regret, 
you play the tape over and over in your mind of the days and the weeks leading up to losing that person from suicide um, because it's preventable and it's it's you know it's not something that is a diagnosable situation where you know oh, we have 10 weeks to live five weeks to live five years to live so um, it was something that the grief was complicated and it was there was a lot of a lot of um, shame that you hold on your own back and a lot of guilt absolutely did you create a mantra that helped you get through every single day yes well the I there was a tape that I created to replace the bad tape that's what my grief counselor taught us um, to do taught me to do and instead of the tape of the you know the why and what could I have done differently um, the tape that I created was just a very simple that I uh, I was sorry that I had ignorance and that I didn't understand what my brother was going through and that's all that had happened I didn't understand it there was so much there's so much taboo around suicide there's so much taboo around mental health and keeping your mental health as important as your physical health we just don't do that as a society so I said you know I over and over again I would just say I just didn't understand the pain that he was in or what to do with it and that I would try to change that I would try to even if it was a little tiny bit I would try to make sure that everybody understood what are the warning signs of suicide um, how do you get help and that information is out there but as a society is you know we're, we just don't talk about it and we don't make people understand it do you live differently today than you did when when your brother was alive and you know now everything I mean, I'm sure you're different and your life will never really be quite the same without. everything's different it's a new normal and you hear people say that and what that means is that um, there was no memories without my brother so everything that we started everything from a birthday a holiday was a new experience and a new um, way to live so I can't really go to say that I started you know that there was a real big um, change like physical change or anything like that it's just knowing that life is very fragile and that we have to listen to people and we have to try to understand what other people are going through and not just try to do what you want to do all the time and go 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 and you know get them something hot to eat or they needed a hot meal or they needed it someone to go do their wash no sometimes people need you to stop and listen and hear what's going on in their mind I think that's a great I think that's a great piece of advice to stop and listen especially in today's world we're all so quick I know you and I will talk real quick. We'll be like, okay, go. We got to go by. You know, it's like, what's next? What's next? And so, what have you done in your in your life with your children? I know you have three beautiful children. What have you done with your with your children and your sister's children? You know, to really keep your brother's memory alive. I know that you're going out and you're speaking about suicide, but you know, is there some kind of tradition that you created within your family that honors your brother's memory, or is that something you do every day? Um, my brother held a lot of. Um, gifts close to his heart number one was truth he was a very truthful person and he did not respect people that were not real he would always say keep it real keep it real so I've picked pieces of his of little gifts that he had and I've tried to make sure that every day um, I use those gifts so truth is a gift if you can be truthful and honest to yourself and to others that's a gift so I've done that great thank you so much garden Thank you for your insight and your strength and courage and willingness to open up your story to us. I appreciate it and I know that many others out there watching do too. When we come back, we'll hear from Dr. Thomas Newmark 
about the effects, warning signs, and coping strategies of suicide for family members and loved ones. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Please join me in welcoming Thomas Newmark, our expert for today, who is going to shed some light on the effects and warning signs of suicide. Dr. Newmark, a psychiatrist with 39 years of experience and practices in psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, geriatric psychiatry, and, and neurology, is an active board member of the American Foundation of Suicide prevention and is committed to making the discussion of suicide an appropriate topic of conversation. Hi, Dr. Newmark. Thank you for joining us today. So um, you heard Garden's story. <coughs> yes. She rarely really brave to come mm -hmm. on and talk about it. Um, I guess, you know, she, one of the things that Garden really talked about a lot was that, you know, there were signs that she didn't see. Could you give us a few warning signs or, you know, mm -hmm. some tips if you know, we think that somebody's in jeopardy if we have a, a, a college roommate or something that we're worried about? Sure. <clears throat> Most suicides are result of a mental illness, particularly depression or uh, bipolar disorder. So when a person is severely depressed, withdrawn, showing signs of um, change in behavior, that, that certainly is a warning that suicide could be a concern. And probably the biggest concern is when someone actually voices that they feel suicidal or they feel that the world would be better off without them. If someone expresses that, it's really important to, uh, to seek out help and encourage that person to seek treatment. So depression is a word that we hear a lot. Right. You know, I think that people use that word a lot. Oh, I'm so depressed. Mm -hmm. or, oh, you know, I really, if, if there's 50 people in the room, how many people do you really believe are, can you give us a percentage of what people, what a number of people really suffer from actual depression? Well, depression is actually probably more common than people think. About 10% of the population suffers from depression. When a person suffers from severe clinical depression is when we get quite concerned and they lose their appetite, lose their sleep, lose their will to live, feel hopeless, helpless. When a person expresses those kinds of concerns, then, then of course, we get very concerned. Okay. Well, you know, before we, we started the show today, we, we were, you and I were talking about college campuses right. and suicide, and, you know, we are right in the midst of finals week is face coming up, you know, pretty soon here. And, you know, last semester I was told after the semester ended that one of the students that I had in my class had um, died by suicide. And I remember feeling like, oh, was there something that I could have done? Did I miss something? So, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about loss of appetite or, you know, those types of things, but is there anything else that you could recommend to somebody that's really worried? You know, they might have a roommate or a friend that they say, oh, you know, and that person's not willing to get help. Is there something that person mm -hmm. can do to try to get that person help? I would say the first thing is to, to continue to communicate with that individual and to to make sure that that person knows you're there for them and continue that connection uh, usually if someone feels a connection to someone else ultimately they will seek help and as a psychiatrist that's what I attempt to do with my patients is develop this connection so at any time uh, when they feel particularly sad or depressed they know they can call me and I will talk with them 
Do you recommend maybe even having somebody call a family member or a professor, or is there you know ways that they should reach out to other people other than just maybe, you know, maybe their mom or dad is not the person that they should reach out to. Maybe there's somebody else that they can reach out to. Sure, absolutely. Anybody that they feel trust in is a person they can reach out to. And it's very important that they reach out to someone who is going to care for them, who is supportive of them. Usually when people feel suicidal, they feel hopeless, they feel isolated, they feel there's nobody there that really cares. Okay. Hopelessness and feelings, you know, that nobody cares, I think we are all... Yes. We all face with at different times of our life, you know, and I think that, um, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, death by suicide is you think that that's the answer. That minute, it feels like the answer. And I'm sure, and I'm just as guilty as probably everybody else, you know, some days I go, oh, God, if it wasn't for, you know, my kids, I would just, mm -hmm. you know, take, you know, end it all today because the stress can become so overwhelming of life you know and you know I personally will say to myself well tomorrow's another day and mm -hmm. you know I'm gonna sleep and I'm mm -hmm. gonna you know tomorrow I'll wake up it'll be a better day you know but I think that maybe one of the reasons we as a society are not talking about suicide is because it's so permanent it's uh, people see it yes. as an answer but it's not it's no it's not an answer at all and the sad part is that usually suicidal thinking is only very temporary so that if we can intervene <clears throat> and give people that sense of hope and support, usually the suicidal thoughts will subside. So in that regard, some suicides are definitely preventable. Okay, so some suicides, in the ones that the, where the people are feeling that they're of loss of hope. Right, when you can reach out and, and have that person uh, reconnect and feel that there is a hope and that there's a future. I think Garden actually gave us a great tip, and I think that, you know, we could all use it, whether it's just stop and slow down a little bit and, mm -hmm. you know, not be so fast and listen. I think that that's a really important skill set that, as a society, we have all just, we don't take the importance of what it is to just sit there and listen. Absolutely. Listening is very key. And also, if you if you listen and and then you notice some things about a person like, we talked about the change in behavior or the sudden use of alcohol or substances. Those are big warning signs that the person could be in, in real distress and trouble. Well, that's, that's challenging too, I think, sometimes because you know, I myself have a son who's on a college campus and I'm always worried about the, the, the amount of alcohol that is mm -hmm. on and you know, just college kids have accessible, accessibility to you know, drugs and alcohol. Yes and it's rampant, so I guess that's a good, we should monitor and, and know, engage, mm -hmm. and how many days a week are they drinking? What, what are they doing? I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to see, you know, every college campus have no alcohol, no drugs, and even a smoke-free zone. So. Absolutely, <laughs> it's important to monitor substance abuse. One other aspect that's important to monitor, when a person feels very depressed, and at the same time feels severe anxiety, that's a real warning sign also. That is a very poor combination. Okay. There's a big day coming up, correct? Yes. It's uh, International Survivors of Suicide Day. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me when that day is and a little bit about it? I believe it's the 23rd. This day was developed because there's so many survivors of suicide across the world, as, as Garden mentioned. And most people feel ashamed to talk about suicide. They feel ashamed about what happened and the, could they have done something different. 
So this day allows a person to share their grief with other family members, with friends, parents, brothers, and it's, it's a wonderful experience because it allows people to get over the shame of suicide. Is it a national day or it's a... It's an actually, now it's an international day from wow. all over the world. And people can go to the website to find out more information yes. about that. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, I remember when um, Garden was going through, you know, Garden and I have known each other personally, professionally a really long time, and I didn't know what to do to help her. You know, I kept calling and thinking that that was enough. Can you give us some tips today that maybe you could give to a survivor um, of what they can do with this day coming up, or maybe they recently have lost mm -hmm. a loved one? What are some things that they could do to overcome some of the, is there other resources well, you can Garden recommend? Well, I think was was very uh, eloquent. I think she did what she could have done to try to, to save her brother. I think now the main thing is she's trying to overcome and probably has overcome a lot of the guilt. So I think all people that have lost someone for suicide should attend these groups and, and feel comfortable sharing with other people who've had a very similar, unique experience. Support groups are really important today. I mean, whether yes. it's for suicide, you know, or anything really, even I'm sure you can tell me better, are there the um, support groups for people who are maybe feeling depressed or hopelessness, mm -hmm. just, just to go and talk to somebody. I think that the art of just sitting here and having a conversation one-on-one -on -one could be really beneficial for all college kids or anybody mm -hmm. who's faced with that. Mm -hmm. Support is, is key. I think support's, support and hope are probably the most best antidotes for depression and suicide. You personally, I asked Garden this question, I'll ask you the same question. Garden, I asked her what her mantra was. Do you have a daily mantra? Because you have a really hard job, you know? You see a lot of, you know, you deal with depression. You, you know, do you personally have a mantra that helps you get through every day? Love is the key, I guess. It's uh, a great answer, I love that, love is the key. So, you know, the message that we're trying to talk about for this show, honestly, is not just love, but self-love. Absolutely. So I would say that, you know, self-love and self-acceptance. And are there any um, ideas or, you know, tips that you could give us today for some people who are watching this that might need some help in creating some good positive self-esteem? Because I do think that, unfortunately, and we're all riddled with a little bit of low self-esteem, no matter how much we try not to, but. Absolutely. Everybody has doubts about their, their, their sense of self. I would just say that there's help available, there are people that care, we're here for everybody. So if there's a, a student, anybody who has feelings of severe depression or is contemplating suicide, please contact the mental health center, student mental health, contact a friend, do something because we can help. That's great, thank you. I think it's interesting that you said we all struggle with you know, self-esteem yes. issues. I think, and that's a great takeaway as well. I, I really tell, I meet women all over and men, professional, all over, and they go, I tell them about the show, and it's really, really starting to resonate with people because they're like, wow, you know, we all really do. So I guess the takeaway could really be, you know, self love. I think it's a great title, Bounce Back. Bounce Back, yes, yes we all want to bounce back. So um, is there any other advice before we leave today that you'd like to offer the viewers? Just follow your show. Follow my show and bounce back. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Newark. We'll be right back.
Today's heartfelt story from Garden Logan provides a real-life example and inspiration of how to bounce back after, after a tragic family loss. Her story reminds us that no matter what we are faced with, we can all overcome pain and adversity that life hands us, even when we least expect it. All of us are faced with different challenges and not a single one is more or less important. Your personal adversity is your cross to bear. And if it's important to you, it's worth talking about and worth the fight. We created this show to share the message of positive self-acceptance, growth and love, and to remind every single viewer that they are not alone. The times we live in are fast paced and overwhelming to most people let alone to students faced with fin final exams, social pressure, and their own insecurities. We hope you will embrace our messages of self, positive image, love, and acceptance. And remember that through any adversity, we can all bounce back.